Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing Up Fishes podcast, episode 180. Um, this episode we're going to cover uh, Marty's uh, new grow here. We're going to do a little bit of a shorter episode podcast. So, sorry about that, a little bit of background noise. What's going on everybody? Let's see if I can get, get that sorted out here. Should we get the video? There we go. All right. Oh no, it's not sticking to you. Oh. And it's super hard for me to hear, so. No worries, I'm trying to figure out what, how to make the video constantly on you and it's not not wanting to stick. Um, it's okay. There it is. Uh, it's all good. So, so yeah, this is uh, yeah. Yeah. the new grower room. I think we've done a tour of this before. Um, but anyway, this is what it's starting to look like. I've got some plants going in here now. These are some couple tomatoes we've started from seed. And then I've got some plants that I've transplanted into here. It's kind of a fail because some of the plants I had were just some plants that I have from a friend of mine that um, I was cleaning up from bugs, but I wanted to get started before I got them all the way cleaned up. So I picked up some local teens that didn't have any spider mites, but unfortunately they did have some aphids. So they're still uh, still kind of working those issues out. That's what I got some spray and some beneficial bugs I'm putting out over there. I just replaced one of the lights. Um, so just kind of some uh, little, little issues here to start with, but you can kind of get the idea of we're going for these tomatoes are looking good they're in dual root zone pots here in the media beds and you can see we've got some greens sprouting up around them some more tomatoes over there down here i've got some clones and some green onions and over there i've got some chard Oh, let's see. So these are each 13 foot long media beds. There's four of them. There are uh, 12 lights. Each one is 330 watts. So they are 400 watt magnetic ballast with the 330 watt ceramic metal halide conversion lamps. So you can get 400 watt magnetic ballast, just swap out the bulbs their M59 bulbs and uh, or lamps, I guess is the, the technical term, and uh, be able to swap those out. So I have just under 4,000 total watts in here. Um, still have the scrognet to build. So that's why, and I still got some more. I've got one, two, three more slots here that I'll fill up with cannabis also. So I'll have one one plant per light, basically, and uh, about a thousand gallons of water between the fish tank over here on the side and the sump tank here underneath. Um, so these dual root zone pots will are set up just kind of like this one is here. So then I put in a, a separator layer of either burlap or something, uh, even actually larger plants, if you if they already have a pretty good sized root wall, you can just build up even more media and set them in. But then they get a, a soil layer for me, which is mostly castings. You'll see there's even some weeds and stuff in here that are sprouting up. I, I have to pull those out, but that's kind of uh, the, the basics of the dual root zone. The media is gonna come all the way up. And uh, you can see there's a spot down here. There's where the, you can see where the water is gonna fill up too. The media beds are empty right now. So they, see the siphon down there is probably getting ready to break since the, we could see the water level was down low. Yep, there it goes. So just flushed out like a, same way a toilet does when it runs out of water, it sucks in air and stops. So now the media beds will fill back up. 
that's a U siphon right there. So the top of the U is where the top of the water is. That's how far it fills up into the beds before the siphon starts. And uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, so I have Thorsberry and uh, Pineapple by Banana Frost in the back are the two strains I have right now. And then also the other ones that I had um, set up and ready to go. When they get cleaned up for the second run, I'll probably have, I have Sunset Sherbert, Wi-Fi, and Forbidden Fruit, and a number of other ones that uh, are getting set up to go into the nursery right now. So uh, when those come out, that'll be my second run. I'll swap those around and I'll keep some moms of these just in case I want to run them again. But I'm uh, just going to kind of start rebooting my collection and getting things going. Also going to grow some food here at the same time. We've already got a lot of greens that we've harvested. And uh, I really like the way this turned out too with the beds being a scythe off the ground. I have just enough room for storage totes to go down underneath the media beds. So that's kind of cool little storage spot for everything. So that worked out kind of good. And uh, Steve, I can't see chat. So if there's any questions, uh, let me know. Just trying to. Yeah, do you want to maybe just go over your design maybe a little bit more and then maybe cover um, air and air movement? Sure. So um, I have uh, a Venturi and then I also have um, on the pump itself. And then I get. Uh, <clears throat> Um, a lot of air distributed by, the, you can see kind of the sprayer bar up here. Um, it's not quite as much pressure as I'd like. I'd probably uh, put it in less holes and do another one. Um, doesn't, doesn't do quite as good a job as I would like it to. And then I get a lot of um, aeration down here in my sump tank just from the waterfall uh, when it's the pressurized siphon is getting released down into there. I also have pretty low stocking density. So right now there's only probably about 30 fish in here. I did get a pretty good deal. Uh, you can see, maybe you can see a couple of them down there. I don't know, between the camera and the water, but uh, got a pretty good deal on some local koi. And uh, so there's some pretty good size in there, but I think there's only about 30 in here total right now, maybe somewhere between 30 and 35 something like that. So uh, I don't have a tremendous amount of uh, need for a ton of oxygen. If I up my stocking density, I'll probably need to do some more and I might even add some more just as it is. But the, the plants are gonna get air from the, the siphon system going up and down and uh, a lot of passive aeration between the siphon system emptying and the um, venturing through the pump. So uh, this fish tank overflows right here. So it overflows into these outlets, feeds the media beds. Uh, these front two beds, so this one here, and this one here are on this siphon, and the back two beds are on their own two siphons. So they, they hook together. These two beds, beds fill and drain together, and those back two beds fill and drain together. I just heard the back one stop. I don't know if you guys can hear that or not, but this sounds like a toilet flushing basically. <laughs> Works essentially the same as a bell siphon, but they're, they're external siphons. Very cool. I like that design. That's very neat. So these media beds are actually just sitting on um, that I've got the supports as you can see there. So they're not attached. You can slide them back and forth um, or even swap out different size ones if you wanted to, uh, but they're still fully supported by the tank. And then these two tanks share a wall here in the middle and, and all my plumbing is, is right here. There's so these are just sealed beds all the way down to the end. So there's no, um, you know, all, all my plumbing is right here. There's really not that much, much to it in terms of, of that the sump tank really just sort of acts as a return also. And then, so, so my next projects are to build the, like I said, build the net, which I still have to build the scrog net. 
um, which will go down each each row. So each row uh, or each media bed will be its own strain so that the net can be at the same height each time. And then uh, I have, I'm gonna build uh, uh, doors on top of this so that this will be covered and I can open up the top of it. Um, so it's really trying to keep it really as simple as possible. Um, I wanted to uh, have a lower tank so that I could put the media beds a little bit lower than, than what I had them before. But really, the, <clears throat> um, it's a pretty efficient design, I think. Uh, if I had to do it again or to build another one, I think I might put the tank, this uh, tank uh, down here, instead of build them together right up against each other, I'll put one at the other end and one, one at this end. Um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it would eliminate the need for the supports down at the other end and just kind of cut a little bit of that out. Um, the only downside is, is that you wouldn't be able to um, get in and out as easily. That's one thing that I like about this system is that I can get all the way up and down each row. So I'd have to figure it out. I was thinking maybe just cut the size down or, or do something different, but I don't know. Anyway. That, that's probably my only critique. And, and the only reason I say that is because I can't get on this side of either one of the tanks. So I actually had one of my supports slip out that if you look, my tank's not square because the support down there in the last, um, on the bottom, there's just little plywood strips that go across. And one of them, uh, when the tank was filling up, the maybe one of the screws wasn't in all the way or something, but it slipped out on the bottom. So the bottom part of it sort of bowed out. And uh, I can't get to it to really be able to fix it effectively because it's I, I really need to get on this side of it and the other tank is here. So that's really the only, uh, I would say downside is to having them together like that is that I can't really get in between the two tanks to really fix anything. So if I had a, if I got a leak in there, for instance, that would be, <laughs> That'd be bad news, <laughs> real bad news. Uh, but other than that, I really enjoy um, the way it's set up down here. Like getting in and out is really easy. Even after I put the net up, uh, the scrog net on each one of them, you know, I still think it's gonna uh, be nice and easy to get up in between. And I have a, a little, uh, it's like a little mechanics cart that I can wheel back and forth to be able to, to do some maintenance. So um, I'm excited, I think it's, it's gonna work really well. I like the design. Now, <laughs> um, how easy it is to um, really get to both the, the tanks, like I can get all the way around it to do all the maintenance I need on the fish tanks, <clears throat> be able to get to the sum tanks uh, pretty easily, check on the siphons and adjust those if I need to. Um, so I'm I'm really happy with it. It's taken a while for it to really sort of all come together. Not not quite there yet. Gotta get my all my beneficials established and get everything going. But I think uh, it's gonna be really good once I get it all together. Awesome. Any uh, questions from chat? Yeah, they want to know about your climate control. Ah, my climate control. So. Um, right now, <laughs> um, all I have in here is a thermostat that turns on my air uh, intake over there. So I have an in intake and an outtake. I have an eight inch fan that can blow out over there, but you, as you can see, it's unplugged. <clears throat> so the thermostat that I got, I got, um, I got two of them in a pack and it just didn't really seem to be working. I was, it was reading like 10 degrees different than what my other thermometer was and uh, wasn't really changing accurately. So I ended up having to send it back. But uh, eventually I'm going to have the, both the air intake and outtake set up on, uh, on thermostats. So they'll turn on and off automatically. And then I have a dehumidifier, which I can set to uh, just keep it down. So I don't have a humidifier uh, essentially, how I'll control that is is being able to uh, open up the tanks or, or close them. Like right now, with my tanks open all the way, it's probably pretty humid in here. I haven't I haven't checked it or really worried about it yet since I'm still in setup phase. 
uh, but eventually that'll be my control for, for if I want the humidity to come up and I'll, I'll probably open up a door uh, above one of the tanks to be able to let some of the evaporation come out and make it more humid in here. And that's probably gonna be more so with these down here underneath that are directly under the lights because we expose those, um, we'll probably get more algae growth, which I don't know if you guys can see, but I'm already getting some, you can see right down in there. So, and I'll probably even throw like a, a fish or two down here in the bottom, a couple of algae eaters down there to help keep that down too. But um, <clears throat> getting rid of the direct light that's hitting the surface area will probably be the, the best way to get rid of any algae growth. But that's how I'll add humidity. And then the dehumidifier um, is gonna be set up right over there as well. And uh, it'll just empty right outside. So I won't have to worry about emptying the water or the tank or anything like that. It's just gonna have a hose that goes outside. Awesome. Uh, so we have so many gallons of the system. So it's about a thousand gallons total between the, the two tanks. This is this tank over here. The big one is about 700 gallons based on its size and how much it's filled up. And the underneath there is about 200 to 250 gallons based on how much water is in it at any given time. So roughly a thousand gallons combined. What's your vertical height for the room? The vertical height in the room? Um, I wanna say, let's see. So these these beds are 20 inches off the ground to the base plus eight. So uh, I'm gonna say these are probably 10 foot to the first ceiling. I don't know if you guys can see, but there's little slots up there that stick down. So I'm gonna say probably 10 foot to that. So these lights, I can actually raise them up a little bit more than what they are right now. If you look, that light down there on the end it, uh, is about as high up as it, I can go. So I can adjust them a little bit. And these ceramic metal highlights, you can get them pretty close uh, to the canopy. So um, I'll have about a five, I think what I have slotted right now is a five foot tall scrog net. Um, so that, that's how how tall they'll end up being. And then I'll adjust the lights to there, but they're on light hangers, so I can just put them up and down as needed. Somebody asked if you need to paint or seal your wood. Um, it is a good idea. And <clears throat> the only reason that I didn't was really just a time crunch. I need to be able to, to get it in and done. And, and I've ran with it not finished um, and not had too much of a problem with it once I really established my beneficials, but you can have certain types of insects that can live just off of eating the wood, but most of your, most of your really nasties, um, are, are you're going to be treating for them anyway. So I haven't had a significant issue with it. Um, but if you have the option to, or the, the time to, you, you definitely should treat them prior to putting them in because it's a pain in the ass to try and treat them once you already install them. Like right now, it would be really difficult to get in and try to finish them. So the only reason I can, I can really reasonably get away with it here is that, you know, none of them are touching water. I have liner everywhere that, it, that I'm getting any sort of water on. So do, do as I say, not as I do in this case, I suppose. What, um, is there, somebody asked, what's the white pipe in the top of the one tank there? Oh, so this is the, the water input. So the, um, you can see the hose comes up and over the top and then the top of here, and there's just a bunch of holes drilled in the bottom of it to distribute the input into this tank and give more disturbance to the water surface. 
it was supposed to function more like a sprayer bar, but there's no, because I put too many holes in it, there's not much pressure coming out of each one. So it's not as effective as I would like it to be. So I'll probably take it out eventually. All right. Um, somebody says, is the liner causing any issues? Is the liner causing any issues? No. No, I didn't have any issues with it other than the roll, this particular roll of liner I got had some uh, some defects in it. So they had to send me some tape because there was a couple leaks in places that uh, were just manufactured defects. I have some pictures of it. If you're really interested in seeing it, you can let me know. But that was really the only issue with the liner. Other than that, it's pretty easy to work with. Um, and even the, the tape they sent me to repair it is pretty easy to work with. It's pretty much like a pool patch material. You can stick it on underwater. And so even though it was a pain in the ass uh, to have to worry about finding leaks and what to do about it. And it took a couple of days for them to ship the tape, but they did ship it overnight. So that was kind of nice, but that was the only issue with the liner. Um, so other than it being expensive, I would say that's probably it's only the only two issues with it. And it was five foot short. The roll I got was supposed to be a hundred foot. It was only 95. So that was disappointing, but it, they gave me a discount. So, you know, overall they made it right, I should say, but it, it wasn't right to start with, which can be frustrating. But those are the only issues I had with the liner, unless you have like specific questions about it. We just asked what, what kind of liner? It's called Ultra Scrim. I think it's made by Global Plastic Sheeting. Uh, someone asked, is there any way to lower the bed height to optimize more canopy space? Um, you could lower the bed height. You do have to leave some room for plumbing underneath there because it's a lot harder to break a siphon underwater because it's under, under pressure. So personally, I like to make sure that I have room for water underneath there. But reasonably, I could make this sump tank a little bit shorter than I did. So they are uh, 20 inches off the ground. So I guess 28 inches to the top of the media bed off the ground. And that's that's the height I chose to go here, but I could go, could go a little bit lower. You just have to make sure that you have enough water volume to be able to fill up your media beds um, without pumping your sump dry or overflowing it if they all drain at the same time. So if all of these media beds are empty, you have to have enough water volume to be able to hold all of that water and vice versa, you have to be able to have enough water to be able to fill up all the media beds without pumping the tank dry. That makes sense. Um, what, uh, what other um, design considerations did you take into a consideration when you're designing this? Um, well, for me, I really want, I always like to, to keep it relatively simple, I guess, in terms of, of plumbing for the most part. Um, I'm not a plumber and, and I guess building also are the other, the other factors to it. So like, I always try to match up the length of what I'm doing to sort of have enough left over. Like I wanted, I did plan on having this part of it here, like where you can see the, um, the drain, the overflow drain comes out underneath and in between. So I knew I didn't want my plywood to come all the way up <clears throat> to be able to do that. But you you could do that. But what this allowed me to do is I knew it would be a little bit short, but I could put my overflow in here and then I wouldn't need to buy a whole other set of plywood just to make sure that it got all the way up to the top or make it shorter. And then you also, I had to make sure that the height of this was high enough to be able to overflow into the top of these beds. So for instance, if I made this very much higher, then this overflow wouldn't be able to come out and fill these beds um, 
and that that's really you know what completes the cycle so those are the things that you have to keep in mind when you're messing with the height of the media beds is that you can't make this sum on this particular design well i guess any design really but you can't make the sum so shallow that it can't hold enough water volume and you can't make it um, so tall that your overflow can't flow into the top of your media beds. So I definitely wanted to keep that. Uh, I wanted to keep the media beds relatively low off the ground. So that's why you, I didn't just have one, one tall thing. <clears throat> so in order to support enough plants and enough fish, uh, I wanted, I knew I wanted to target about 700 to a thousand gallons. And, uh, that's kind of kind of where I started. And then design-wise, um, once you know how much uh, how much water volume you have to have, then you can start figuring out how big your tank needs to be, what the dimensions are, um, and how you're going to support as much water weight as you're going to need to have. And there's some lovely uh, conversion charts and stuff. You can literally just ask Google um, what what kind of support you're going to need. Um, if you put in your water weight, it'll give you the uh, poundage. There's all kinds of different uh, resources for that. So you can do all the conversions that you need to to figure out um, what you're going to need to do there. But definitely understand that if you're going to have a significant amount of water, you're going to need to reinforce. Um, there's even, I think, Steve, I think you sent me one on plywood tanks, right? Like all the math that you have to do to have just to build just tanks out of plywood. I didn't end up going that route, but I think, you, I think you're the one that sent that to me, right? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of uh, research on plywood tanks and what you need to do for those and all that. I try to match up the size of lumber that I buy so I don't have to make a ton of cuts either. So these are 16 feet long media beds and these, uh, each one of the, uh, of the cuts for the media beds here are the ends over there. So I just took 18 inches off of each end of a 16 foot board and that's how I got to 13 foot media beds. And it works out to be just big enough to fit the pattern that I have here for the amount of lights that I had. So that's kind of how all that worked out. So once you once you know how big your media beds are going to be, then you're going to you can do the math and about how much they're going to weigh and what kind of support you're going to need. And luckily for me, I had a uh, my previous uh, owner here had left me a whole bunch of this these four by four posts um, from an old deck that used to be out here. They took it apart very meticulously, so I got to use a lot of reclaimed lumber for that. So I I planned accordingly for trying to be able to use that stuff as much as I could. And uh, so once I had the weight, I knew what I needed for support. So I found the, found the support and what I needed to do there. And that was, uh, that was pretty much it. Once you have the size of your media bed, you can figure out how much media you need. I also had a bunch of old media. So I filled up like the bottom part of each one of these beds with old media from my old systems um, and swap in some new media and some of those those other ones. So it's kind of a split to help establish my system and get it get it going quickly. Awesome. Any other design questions? I'm in chat. Any other cultivation points or tips you wanted to talk about in the grow there? Um, no, I mean, I pretty much, I'm going to come through and now these were transplanted into, into these dual road zone pots. Normally I would have more room. Like you see how this one's already pretty full, <clears throat> but normally it would be more like this one right here where it's got room where I can come in and top dress it. And then I'm going to cover it um, during flower. So um, you know, I've got my, uh, my beneficial nematodes that I'm about to put in each one of these dual root zone pots. I always make sure those go in there. Um, I've got some, uh, Californicus, uh, 
which I think are the same one that Dr. Green Jeans was talking about. They, they fit the best in the, my uh, humidity right now, which it is running a, a little bit higher. Um, I think it was about 55% on, on average, if I remember right. I'm not sure where my, I have my little thing floating around somewhere that was telling me, but um, anyway. So for my, my humidity in here right now, the Californicus were about the best. So I got a bunch of those. I got some lace wings I'm gonna put out. I got some, you can see some of my pouches over there. I've got some Swarovski's. I released some H Miles. So those are kind of the, the basic ones that we always you know, talk about keeping around and I'll keep them in here. And uh, yeah, I would say that's about it. I've got some, uh, this stuff is great for setting up new dual root zones. Got some BioLive here from uh, Down to Earth. See their little symbol there. So we've talked about that a number of times. So I'll give them a, a shout out. And uh, you really don't need too much of that, um, but th that's a great thing to add to the dual root zone. So I put that in the mix uh, up here in the top. It's probably one of my, my go-to amendments for swapping in the flower. So once I put my last top dress in before I switch the flower, then usually I cover them, um, usually with panda plastic. And you guys can check out my previous grows to do that. Um, I've done that on the last two flower runs, I think it is. So we'll we'll see how it goes in here. So these are all ceramic metal halide. I think I talked about that a little bit. So if you guys have any questions about those conversion lamps, let me know. They're made by Philips. Uh, you can find them. I like to purchase them on eBay in bulk because then you can get them cheaper. So I think I buy a 12 pack on there. And then uh, these high bay lights that you can find all over the place, they're 400 watt uh, magnetic ballast. So you're looking for type M59. So this is about 30 bucks per light, uh, including the new lamp by the time I got done by buying all of them in bulk, buying used uh, stuff, kind of get my Initial, initial grow done here. Uh, that work was a great way to get into ceramic metal halide and uh, 4,000 watts in here and it, it's still running uh, pretty well. I, I think it's gonna do, I think it's gonna do great, but shit, we're all gonna see together. This will be my, my first run. You, um, I'm on YouTube at AP Meds, Instagram at AP Meds. And uh, I've got a couple of videos up and we'll keep doing updates as we get more established. You guys can see I got some clones cut in the media beds. There's some there and there. Those are eventually gonna go over the nursery once I get it going, but they were getting a little too tall. And uh, that's another reason I got to get the net in here. So, thank you guys around this way. Beneficials waiting to go up. Got the fans up on the wall. It's winter time here, so I don't really have to worry about heating too much um, or cooling too much. So that's kind of nice. And, uh, somebody asked where you get your mites from. Oh, um, I got those. I believe are actually sourced through Ambico still, but I get them through my local shop here. Uh, it's called uh, Ladybug, and they source um, from a number of different places. Um, but uh, Ladybug Indoor Gardens in Phoenix, Oregon, and uh, Nathan down there. Tell him, tell him Marty sent you, and uh, he'll take good care of you. And just tell him what you're dealing with, and he'll get you get you all lined up. Uh, usually they get shipments in on Tuesdays, and uh, unfortunately today they didn't. So I don't didn't quite get everything that I wanted to. I'll probably have to go back tomorrow and pick up some of the green lacing cards, which are always one of my favorite ones to get released. So make sure and get those in there. But uh, I also find that covering um, each of the tops can be really each one of the the top of each pot. 
when I cover them with plastic, it can be beneficial for fighting some insects as well if you cut them off for the access to the root zone. Like thrips is one of the ones that comes to mind just because they they travel up and down the plant and they have a stage in their life cycle that takes place in the soil. So if you get a physical separator in there, um, you can really help fight them as well. So just another reason to to cover them up. And then um, we've talked about on the show before, um, I think I started doing it after we had Chris Trump on the show was talking about fruiting plants, preferring uh, fungal dominant soils. And so by keeping it dark under there, I'm trying to encourage uh, more fungal growth. And it, it's really similar. I noticed a similarity with, uh, you know, sub-irrigated planters and the probiotic wellness gardens that we talked about with Alan uh, Atkinson, who we've also had on the show a couple of times. And uh, that's the reason they cover the tops of theirs as well is to encourage the fungal growth and establish that microbiology. So there was kind of a, a dovetail there. So I've had good luck with it the last couple of runs. And so I continue to do that once I move into flower, I do my last top dress and then um, add in some EM1 Bokashi brand and uh, cover it up. And then usually leave it covered the rest of the way unless sometimes around week three or four, um, if I think it needs it, I'll put in another, uh, another top dress, but usually I'll just let them finish out as long as they're going well. And uh, somebody asked, uh, what grow method are you using? What grow method is this? What so grow method is it? I would say it's dual root zone aquaponics. Do you want to talk a little bit more about, I don't know, what you've seen, uh, the advantages and disadvantages with the dual root zone? or Because you've grown a lot more both ways than I have. Yeah, so I've done, um, if you look uh, on my YouTube channel, AP Meds, you'll see I've had success growing right in media beds. I've grown in smaller dual root zone uh, pots. I've grown in larger ones like you see here. Uh, so there, there are a few differences, I would say, between general aquaponics or growing in media beds that are important. Um, so, you know, Steve talks a lot about the you know, the different environments for the, the soil microbes to establish and be able to grow that won't grow in your media beds. But there's also some practical ones in that, um, you know, I talked about, I'm eventually gonna build a net in here called a scrog net so that I can train those plants um, by bending them over and, and really forcing them to have smaller tops grow into larger ones. And it changes the way that the, the plant grows by, by forcing down the top of the plant. Other lower branches start competing to become the top. And uh, we're trying to spread out the plant so that it will get more exposure to the light. So when you're looking under, underneath the plant, um, we don't want it to grow just one big bud in the middle. We want it to be spread out and do that. Well, in, if you're just growing in media beds, especially in hydrogen, it doesn't, um, the, the plant, instead of bending over like this, the way that you want it to, it eventually will straighten itself back out at an angle like this. So the plant's just growing crooked, but straight, because it doesn't have enough pressure around the root ball um, to keep it in place. But if you have a dual root zone pot, especially a larger size one, then you can get that same uh, bending action that you want to hold it down and over so that it, it doesn't just straighten itself back out like this. It'll actually be bent over like this and then new tops will grow up from that. So that's what we're trying to do um, when we use a, a scrog net. So if you're going to train your plants down to a net at all, I would say that you would probably want to avoid um, doing just media beds. So the other aspect to it is that um, if you're growing outside and you have a lot of um, uh, wind, for instance, it'll keep them a lot more stable in the pot for the, for the same reason that uh, they'll blow over sideways relatively easy <clears throat> if you have just media beds. So it really helps give them a, a solid 
aspect to it. Um, other practical things about the dual root zone method that are nice is that you can pick up an, an entire pot and move it from place to place. Like I had one of the lights over here. You can see where I, I had a plant in there for a little while. You can see that light back there is different. I had to swap it out with a different one because it died. <clears throat> but uh, I moved that plant over here underneath this light, which was working fine. I was able to just pick up the whole plant and move it over there with really no like transplant shock or anything like that because it wasn't to the point where it had grown a lot of roots at the bottom. So it just allows them to be a little more mobile than if you were just ripping them out of the media beds, you would see more transplant shock. So more flexibility when you're moving them around. The other aspects to dual root zone that make it different are your ability to store nutrients in the soil layer in higher concentrations than what you can dose into your media beds. So just to break it down sort of simple, if we have this tank over here and this tank down here, that gives us a total water volume. In our total water volume, then we can use that to determine how many PPMs uh, we could feasibly add to this water before we started affecting these fish, right? So it's just, it's math there. Eventually we would only be able to add so much at a time. So we would add up to as much as we could and then it would trickle down as the plants got them up and then we could add more in and then it would come back down and vice versa. So in the times that I have grown in media bed only, I have to add a lot more often so a smaller amount more often, as opposed to loading up in these soil mixtures, you can load up large amounts of P and K because they don't get mixed into the system that affects these fish. So if I, in this soil layer right here, if I mix it up and this soil layer stays up above because there's media in the bottom like this. So because the, it keeps the soil up and out of the system, but still available to this plant. So that's why this tomato plant here can look nice and healthy, have explosive growth, all that stuff. And uh, when it starts fruiting, which you can see, it's already got a big fat thing of flowers kicking out down here. And it starts picking up those other nutrients in here. This gives me a spot to feed this plant <clears throat> a lot less often and a lot more at a time. So instead of, you know, feeding, let's say, uh, ten of whatever you whatever units you want to call it, it doesn't really matter. Um, let's say you're you're feeding ten every day in here for ten days. That's a hundred. Or I can just take a hundred and put it in here and have it count down from there. And it really doesn't matter what nutrient you're talking about or whatever. Just the fact that you can store more nutrients in the soil layer and need to supplement less often than if you're doing just water-based nutrients that are incorporated into your system. So that's the, the fast forward version of, I guess, the differences between growing in media beds, having to dose a, a lot less volume a lot more often as opposed to dual root zone where you can store a lot more, like even enough for, you know, like an entire run, uh, a month or two of explosive plant growth, and also still be able to dose here in the top. Again, if I feel like I'm partway through flower and I want to push it a little bit harder, I can put a, a new mixture, uh, you know, that's maybe high and like lingbanite or something like that, that I want to use to really push it. Um, then I can top dress around here, <clears throat> water it in. I can water in teas, KNF stuff. If I make ferments, I can add those in um, to the top of the dual root zone and soak those nutrients into that soil level at higher concentrations than I can if I'm just adding them right into the media beds. So we had uh, Mike asks, um, how do we feel about fabric pots versus plastic? Um, oh, I wanted to, before that, I wanted to add one other thing. With the, the soil layer, it gives you uh, the plants a place for um, different microbes. 
fungi, bacteria, protists, uh, archaea, uh, that, that normally wouldn't be found in an aquaponic system and allows those plants immune system to be adapted to those and be aware of those and actually become much stronger. And when the plant activates those immune system genes, sorry, <coughs> stuck here, uh, my hair caught on my chair. Um, when the plant uh, activates those immune system genes, um, what it does is it increases terpene production. And when you have more terpene production, you may end up with stronger cannabis overall because it can make more cannabinoids. But uh, someone asked about fabric pots versus uh, cloth pots, uh, or I'm sorry, versus plastic pots. I found the plastic pots work better because you get that nice seal and then you can get the diaphragm action of the, the air moving up through the soil and get a much better gas exchange in that soil layer. And while it will, will cause that soil layer to dry out a little bit faster than you normally would in a, a normal um, in a soil type setting, it, it, you know, because of that increased gas exchange, you do get a huge increase in growth. And uh, the microbes in there seem to really like all that extra air as well, unless you're trying to go for anaerobes, but not too many people are in a, in a soil type thing. Uh, but uh, with the cloth, uh, we, we, what I found and we did four runs with this in one media bed at the aquaponics source. Oh, me and one of the other guys that were working there, Robbie. And what happened was with the, the cloth pots, we'd always have um, the water would wick around the separation layer and keep the bottom water too wet, where the bottom soil layer would be too waterlogged. And then what would also happen is, is that the, um, we'd always have some kind of, if we, we tried with that and then also with the wicking beds, uh, with the wicking pots, we tried with cloth pots and then treating them more like a wicking bed. Uh, we always had some kind of root issue right last week or two before harvest where uh, we had some kind of, you know, as the plant starts to retreat and drop off leaves, it also starts to drop off some of its root system. And um, we were ending up with the, the, you know, microbes in the system starting to feed on the plant at that point. And um, just, you know, had some wilting right before flower. So it was kind of one of those things where it was kind of annoying. We could probably have figured it out with the right probiotic regimen, to be frank with you. But we, you know, with the plastic pots and everything, it works so nicely and it's very predictable and controllable. It's kind of like why go through, uh, you know, something that's going to be more more uh, finicky and, and more risky rather than, uh, you know, doing something that's a little bit more predictable and repeatable and uh, controllable. Which, at the end of the day, if you're doing commercial, that's that's really what you want. Um, we had another question up here. Uh, uh, do you want them as a preventative or are you trying to treat something for the mites? And then we had another, oh, before that, uh, uh, would you be worried about them being mailed in 20 degree temperatures? Um, no, uh, most people that ship bugs, especially in the winter and, and in the summer, will, will ship them in styrofoam boxes. I know when I order stuff from Arbico, uh, they come in a big old styrofoam box if the weather's any, anything outside of normal, so. Let's see what else we got here in chat. Um, I'm also a big fan of hypoaspis miles. Uh, they're a really, really good predator mite. One of the best to put in your garden. Uh, oh, uh, they asked, what are your, what's your other planned uh, beneficial insect regimen for your garden aside from the H miles? Fixing his mic there. Oh, is that Steve? Uh, what's your beneficial insect plan there? Aside from the hyperaspis miles, or what? Uh, what is it? Uh, what's H miles is now called a uh, Stradiolalap schematis, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I couldn't pronounce it to start with, so H miles is still still what I. Um, and so I have Californicus. I have some sores. I have just a few lacewing parts, and then I have some beneficial nematodes. So that's that's my, you know, kind of my go-to. Except for I would prefer to have a lot more lacewing than what they had in stock. They didn't get their shipment in today, so we get some more in tomorrow. But those are like uh, sort of my go-to um, uh, beneficials. I like to make sure and keep established. They're all relatively uh, efficient predators and not too expensive. And the Californicus is the best for my humidity range right now. So 
there, if you check the temperature and humidity range, the Californicus is a, a little lower on humidity and a little wider on the temperature range. We had another question. How small of an aquaponic system can someone start with? Pesco aquaponic. Um, you know, we, we, we did some experimentation uh, back at the aquaponic source to try and figure this out. Roughly, you need around a 40 or 50 gallon aquarium that's heavily stocked. Um, you know, uh, at minimum to grow, you know, one or one or two plants, depending on, on what they are. And, uh, you know, that, that, that'd be the absolute bar minimum. Um, I've worked with a couple of companies and we've kicked around the idea of, of doing an aquarium adapt, adaptation kit or something like that for, for grow, grow tents. And uh, we, I've worked on actually three different versions of something like that and uh, just never quite came to, came to market for whatever reason, X, Y, or Z. So, but you would need at least a 55 gallon aquarium and you know, if you're really good at aquarium stuff, you could get away with a 40 if you knew what you're doing, but really a 55 gallon aquarium or larger is gonna be it. And if you're gonna buy a 55, you might as well buy a 75 because it's the same length. It's just a little bit fatter. And if you're gonna buy a 75, you might as well buy a 90. And if you're gonna buy 90, you might as well buy a 110 because it's the same footprint. <laughs> so <laughs> you know how it is with aquariums. At least if you if you know the sizes and all that. <laughs> so, uh, so this is not no-till. They want to know if it's no-till. I don't think he's planning on doing no-till. Generally, we don't do no-till in aquaponics. Marty may do something different than I'm aware of, but. How many, what size and kind of fish? I think Marty's phone might have died here. We'll get him back in a minute. Um, uh, Marty says he has about 30 size, uh, or, I'm sorry, 30 adult size koi in there. Uh, are those mothers? No, those are just some plants that he got in a hold of as interim plants to uh, from his, his last run to, uh, to get going along with a few uh, misfits from a friend's grow. We're trying to save the genetic son. Alrighty, um, we're just getting ready. Oh, how long beds is that aquaponics? Those are 13 foot beds. We talked about them earlier. We are um, getting ready to go to uh, Emerald Cup and to um, MJ BizCon and then some other awesome uh, cannabis events that uh, we'll, we'll see if we do any footage from or not. Uh, I don't think we'll have any connection there, but we might, might be able to do a little recording there. So we'll see. Um, lots of really wonderful things coming up, and uh, uh, I don't think we're going to, oh, on Thursday, we have Dre Taylor from Missouri. He's going to be talking to us about hemp growing in Missouri, so that'll be really awesome. He's also worked with the university there and a bunch of other cool projects. Um, what else do we have? Uh, and then next week, uh, I think uh, the schedule is just going to be too crazy to do a show um, between all the different things going on, and then... Um, the week after uh, is going to be kind of crazy because of travel. So we'll see if we're able to do one. We might be uh, might be off for two weeks there, or, uh, or have a few uh, few things going on. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of update videos in between. But I don't think we're going to have a normal show uh, for uh, for the week of the 9th and the week of the 16th there. Uh, and then we'll be back on on Christmas week. Uh, with the show uh, and uh, and back ready to talk. So it'll be a lot of fun. And um, I don't know if we'll do a Christmas Eve show, but we'll certainly do a Boxing Day show. <coughs> but yeah, just head to Emerald Cup and then leave from Emerald Cup straight to Africa. So it'll be fun getting ready. It's been fun getting uh, caught up with all the Cali peeps and uh, and everything. So it's good times. I have some uh, video footage from some other farms I've been, uh, I forgot that I had 
uh, from around uh, this year. I think I'm going to trickle out to over the next two weeks. Um, so that'll be really good. You know, we'll, we'll have some videos to post up in the meantime. So anything else you wanted to add, Marty? Anything else going on with you or your grow aside from what you showed us? Uh, no, I don't think I have too much else going on unless you guys got some other questions. I'm just, you can see some of the lights have turned off so I can do some spraying and get these bugs released. Uh, yeah, not, not really too much goes going on yet. I'll be able to show the nursery once I get it going, but that'll be a lot of my older systems are just gonna, just gonna kind of slap in their little standalone systems, but that won't be, won't be a new one, but it'll be, a a lot of clones, a lot of moms, a lot of fun stuff like that. So when I get that set up, I'll be able to show you. But right now, it's just a pile of crap. So <laughs> not much to show in there. So I'll get the rest of these plants put in. I'll get the net put in. And then I'll have some more stuff to uh, to show off. Any other if questions? Anyone to, if anyone wants to gather for Emerald Cup or BizCon, let me know. Um, we'll get together and we'll smoke and hang out. I see a couple people in chat that want to get together. We'll definitely get together and uh, and sesh for sure. Always good times out there in, uh, at BizCon. Always crazy, crazy stories every year for sure. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, keep you guys in the loop. We'll have some travel videos here soon and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Lots of crazy things going on. We'll have lots of footage in the next week, so don't worry. All right, well, I guess on that note, we're gonna do a little bit of an abbreviated show. Um, just because of everything going on, I've had some crazy stuff going on, life stuff, and then just getting ready to leave the US. So that's been fun. And then just catching up with friends, uh, you know, now that I'm all uh, basically just getting ready to leave. So um, yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, like I said, we'll have a show on Thursday and then that'll be the last show for two weeks. And then we'll be back again uh, the week after that on Christmas week with uh, with some shows again. And then uh, I think uh, not long after that, we'll we'll switch over to the, uh, the new format uh, for next year. Um, we're going to do one recorded show a week and we'll do one uh, live show a week just because uh, it'll keep me sane with the whack-ass time schedules. So without that, I don't think we'd be able to, to do the show regularly as, as we want to. So I think we're going to... Uh, um, yeah, I think we're going to do that. Just, it's also going to allow us to do some better quality interviews and, um, you know, do some higher, higher standard stuff for going into next year with the show. So, and I think we really want to move it into that direction and uh, we might even rename the recorded show into something else and, uh, have another show I want to do. Um, that's going to be a recorded show as well. That I think you guys are going to like, kind of talked about it a little bit. we got one episode recorded. Um, I'm going to start working on some other ones for this other pod you know, pod, recorded podcast we're doing. So uh, we'll see everybody at Emerald or if you're going to be at the uh, uh, event before uh, BizCon or at BizCon, uh, I'll see you guys there. And uh, much love to everybody. Um, you can find us at, uh, how do people find you there, Marty? <laughs> oh, you can find Marty at AP Meds on uh, Instagram and on YouTube and um also uh, moderating a couple of different aquaponic Facebook groups. Uh, we also have the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group if you're looking for more information. We have over 6,000 members there. And, uh, oh, almost forgot. I don't, can't believe I did. Um, Roger from True Aquaponics and I have uh, launched our uh, commercial uh, nutrient consulting business. So if you're looking for help and you need help, check out the True New uh, Aquaponic subscription option over at the aquaponic uh, uh, true aquaponics and true aquaponics.com and we'll get you all set up if you're uh, struggling with your aquaponic system need help with your nutrients maybe your commercial facility isn't doing quite as well as you'd hoped um, you know whole whole you know range of things but if it's nutrient related we got you 
Um, eventually we'll be expanding in some other services, which I think you guys are going to really like, but uh, for now we can, we can fix that up. You sign up, send in your water and we'll send you a custom formulated nutrient packet. You rip it open, you pour it in either, you know, following the instructions on the schedule and uh, that's all you got to do. No weighing, no measuring, no thinking, really easy peasy. So help a lot of people out there. And you can find out more information on that at trueaquaponics.com. And then uh, you can find out more information on me at potentponics.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, I Love Grow Marijuana, GrowTube, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, um, Pandora, all the different places. Uh, you can find the Growing With Fishes podcast and uh, yeah. Instagram, Potent Ponics. We'll see you guys again next week. Or I'm sorry, on Tuesday. Thursday. Ugh, it's been a long week. I'm getting out of here. Cheers. <laughs>